If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I find that there is one place where I get flirted with more than any other place. <laughs> and it's out in the middle of the no, out in the middle of nowhere when I'm riding my bicycle across the state. For several years, not sequentially always, but uh, seven or eight times I've lost count, I've ridden my bicycle from the Red River to the Kansas border over a week. It, I didn't do it in one day, but I've always loved riding on Oklahoma Freewheel. And registration has now started if you want to go. I got an email the other day. But I feel pretty special out there with a population of people that are largely about 30 years older than I am. And sometimes I feel like some of these older men are feeling a little more relaxed since they're off in the middle of nowhere. Nobody's watching them. And they'll say things to me like, you know, in 1982, I bought a bicycle from your dad. <laughs> and I say, really? One whole bicycle? Where did you get all the other ones? You gotta come up with something better than that. <laughs> so I try to ignore little comments. I don't wanna participate necessarily, but there was a time when I had just about had it and I almost blew my top. Now, I don't ride with headphones on because I think that's dangerous because you, you need your eyes and your ears, you need all the senses that you have available to you. So riding with headphones is asking for trouble. You can't hear anyone saying, I'm passing you, passing on the left. You can't hear trains or traffic or other things that you need to hear to be safe. But when you're riding for six or seven hours a day, which is what it takes me, it, sometimes it gets a little boring and hot out there. So I found a little tiny speaker. <clears throat> Some of you probably have these. I've seen them at Target. 
but mine's super tiny. You can unscrew it for a higher volume and you hook it to your iPod and you have music wherever you go. So I find that if I put it in my little frame bag and turn it just right, I can hear the music, but I can also hear everything else. So sometimes there's a song that comes along with a good beat. And you probably have a song that you like to exercise to also. Song you love to hear when you're walking the dog or when you're doing Zumba and not talking to anybody and going like this. Or maybe you're super fancy and you have headphones when you swim. That's the height of fanciness. They make those now that you can swim with and still hear your tunes. So I had a great song come through the cycle when I was just leaving Wilitka one time. This song never hit number one. It got up to number 28, but never got any farther than that in 1978 when it was released by Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. But it gained notoriety a few years later when it was kind of the linchpin scene background music in a certain Tom Cruise movie. Old time rock and roll. It's one of those songs that comes on and you say, turn it up, turn it up, it's my song. So I was really feeling it. And darn if there wasn't a stop sign right there, so I stopped. But then when traffic had cleared, I started off again on this long flat, long flat road. And that song has the perfect cadence for a long flat road. Take those old records off the shelf, right, left, right, left. Sit and listen to them by myself. Got the same soul. I like that old time rock and roll. I was going, I was burning up the road. I thought, I'm going to get in by 4 p.m. today. This is going to be great. Don't try and take me to a disco. So I'm going along, and all of a sudden, I pass a convenience store where several of my fellow riders have stopped for a cold drink. A lot of these older men sitting out there. All of a sudden, I hear a bunch of yelling, Hey, they all yelled at the same time, and so I couldn't hear what they were saying, and I thought, sexual harassment is everywhere. <laughs> Guys get off out here away from their wives and misbehave. I'm keep on writing. Take me to a tango. Mm-mm-mm. I'd rather hear some blues, a funky old soul. Pretty soon I realize I'm about to run out of road. <laughs> There's a gravel road and a gate that says, no trespassing. And I realize nobody's beside me. No one's in front of me and no one is behind me. I think I know what those guys were yelling. (laughs) You're going the wrong way. Hey, middle-aged lady, you're going the wrong way. So of course I turned around went back past the highway patrolman who had just waved at me (laughs) and waved at those folks and got back on the main road. Lent is a time when we step back from what we're doing and we look at whether we're on the right road or not.
you're going the wrong way. It's a time to reflect and to think about Christ's time in the wilderness and enter our own kind of spiritual wilderness and think about me, myself. What am I doing in life that is the right road? What am I doing in life that shows me to be on the wrong road? When we pull back from what we're used to, maybe give up something that we enjoy, we go into this kind of wilderness time and we look into our souls and say, how might I be more like Christ? Author Emily Griffin talks about imitating Christ in his journey through the wilderness. We believe that he spent 40 days in the wilderness and so we have a Lent that lasts 40 days. We know that he was tempted and so when we give up chocolate or give up television or whatever it might be, we know there's always that temptation to fall back into that thing that we enjoy. Kind of a small scale version of what Jesus did, being out, exposed to the elements, fasting for 40 days. We can never really do it as well as he did, but we can imitate him. Walter Brueggemann calls it situating our lives in the story of Jesus. We become aware that the story of Jesus requires and permits a new version of our own story of life and death. We go into our own desert place where we reflect on our biggest, biggest weaknesses and we hope to repent and be transformed. So today we find ourselves in Philippians and this section of Philippians is known as the Christ hymn. It almost reads like a creed describing these different actions that Christ took. He emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, was found in human form and humbled himself, being obedient to the point of death. After his humbling, God raises him or highly exalts him and gives him the name that is above every name. You know, when you give something or someone a name, it has power, it has identity, it has status. Don't you feel something different for a cat that you name than the cat who comes and goes that you never name? You farm people know that when you name animals, you start having different emotions about them than you do if you don't name them. Christ represents God's nature from the beginning. This name Christ is a title, the Messiah, the anointed one. Jesus is his given name, closely translated, as close as we can get is the name Joshua that we know now. So there might have been a lot of people named Jesus running around at that time, but only one, Christ Jesus Christ, in his human experience, empties himself to become more like us, whereas we, in Lent, are trying to become less like us, and we are grasping for the higher places to become more like what Christ is. We realize how far away we are from the goal of being Christ-like, but we are called to ask for forgiveness, to repent, and to turn over a new leaf and try again. We hope, in Lent, to be recreated, in the image of Christ, specifically in the image of Christ Jesus, this anointed one who became fully man as well as fully God and lived in a body like ours and knew our suffering. So what of Philippians? Well, the city of Philippi was a former mining town. People mined for gold there, but by the time this epistle was written, we think the gold was pretty much gone. 
and it had turned into a rich, fertile agricultural area. It was on the Via Agnesia, which does not run through Walitka, but it was one of the main uh, ways of travel through that part of Asia Minor, that part of the world. So it was in between gigantic cultural centers. It was not the, the big town of the time, but it was a place through which many people would have passed. And it was definitely a part of the Roman Empire. So people worshiped the emperor and people did obeisance to the emperor. People followed the Roman government. People lived around Roman architecture. They obeyed Roman laws. It was a Roman place. This cult of the emperor said that the emperor was Lord. So when these Christians started saying Jesus is Lord, that was radical. That was anti-government and that was dangerous. We believe that Paul's converts there would have been entirely Gentile, not necessarily Jewish, so they probably participated in this cult of the emperor or other cults that we don't know much about before converting to the way. Paul, in his epistle, builds them up. He encourages them. He encourages them not to listen to libertines or people who are trying to send them down the wrong path, but listen instead to Paul listen to God, listen to Jesus's story, and pattern their lives after that. And he encouraged them to engage in passionate worship as demonstrated by reciting this hymn that we call the Christ Hymn. Bishop Robert Schnazy was here two weeks ago, and many of you had the privilege of getting to hear him, and some of you have read his book, either the older version or the revised version that has even more good ideas in it. He says, where we fall short in our churches is to fail to express that we're not just here to proclaim what we believe or perform a few rituals and then go have lunch, but we're here to challenge people to grow in a mature faith and in service to the world. That's what passionate worship is. So often people say, I just don't get much out of worship or I didn't get anything out of today's sermon Surely you don't ever say that. I surely won't say that today, but I didn't get anything out of the sermon. I just feel like I don't get. It's not about what you get. We want to bring the very best. We up here want to bring our very best and make sure you get something out of each Sunday or whatever day we worship. But we also kind of hope that you come as a dry sponge, ready to soak up something new ready to be changed by God, ready to hear a word, ready to be challenged, ready to be made uncomfortable once in a while, to really think, gosh, am I going the right way? Or maybe I need to think about things in a new way or ponder something I've never really thought about before. When you come away from here not feeling more inspired to live with a Christ-like heart, then we haven't done it right but we also need you to come hoping for a Christ-like heart. Fred Craddock puts it this way, the church is supposed to actualize the mind of Christ in concrete ways, in energy-burning, time-consuming endeavors. So we let you sit here for 59 and a half minutes in very comfortable chairs, 
but then we're all expected to leave this place and go engage in energy-burning, time-consuming endeavors that imitate Christ. One small way to do that is by making a hygiene kit as you leave here on your way to hideaway pizza or Tucci's or wherever you go to eat. If you don't eat at hideaway, I, don't, I have no concept of anybody eating anywhere else after Sunday church because that's the only place we ever eat. There may be a world outside of Hideaway at 12.30 on Sundays, but I, I, I don't know what it is. So before we get to take a break in our day and have lunch somewhere, maybe at home, you can make a hygiene kit that's going to go on a mission trip or go to someone in need on a Thursday night. That's a tiny step forward to taking on the mind of Christ. Well, I do love old-time rock and roll, but I'm not limited to rock and roll. Sometimes listen to country. And I find that country is just top 40 with a twang anyway. It's just top 40 with a steel guitar. <sighs> but I'll get off on that some other time. I heard a song this week in my car by a woman named Tennille Towns. It's called Somebody's Daughter. And I resonated with the words because I've driven past this person more than once. I drive home the same way two left turns off the interstate, and she's always standing at the stoplight on 18th Street. She could be a Sarah, she could be an Emily, an Olivia, maybe Cassidy, with the shaky hands on the cardboard sign, and she's looking at me. Bet she was somebody's best friend, laughing, back when she was somebody's sister, counting change at the lemonade stand. Probably somebody's high school first kiss, dancing in a gym where the kids all talk about someday plans. Now this light'll turn green and I'll hand her a couple dollars and I'll wonder if she got lost or if they forgot her. She's somebody's daughter. Why did she fall and no one caught her? Somebody's daughter, somebody's daughter. Amen.